welcome to the first episode, the inaugural episode of Misep's podcast. My name is Marfine Chan. I am the digital and campaign communications coordinator. I totally mixed that up. But uh, on the phone with me is our analyst, James Mile. James, you want to say hi? Hi. Um, Do you want to explain a little bit about what you do and what you focus on here? Yeah, sure. Um, So I am the policy analyst with primary responsibility for um, healthcare and education, although I end up sort of dabbling in a lot of other things, especially um, workforce development. And uh, I know we're going to talk a lot about that today. Um, As a policy analyst, I guess my job is to um, look at sort of look at a lot of data about Maine and its economy and see what that tells us about what statewide policies are currently working, which aren't working, and which policies we could uh, look to implement to improve the situation. And also with us is Sarah Austin, who is another one of our esteemed analysts. Uh, Sarah, do you want to introduce yourself and sort of say what you focus on? Sure. I am the tax and budget analyst at MISEP, and that means that I work on making sure that we have a fair tax system and also that we have adequate revenue and that we're spending it on smart things like education and healthcare. Um, so we just had a new report come out called the State of Working Maine 2017. And James, for some institutional memory, do we do this report every single year? Um, we have done it sort of annually and occasionally. Um, <laughs> I don't know that in recent years, it hasn't been released for a few years, I know that. I think maybe the most recent one was in 2013 or something like that. So a fair amount has happened since then. <laughs> so we, we've all been working hard on this report and we're so glad it's finally out and we've, we've pushed it out this week. Um, so tell me, why is this important? Why is this report important? important and why should people read it? Sure. Um, so I think you know, the major reason that the report is important is because, you know, the the state of Maine's economy and especially the state of um, the employment market and how Mainers are working is something that affects all of us. Um, it affects those of us who are working and it affects our friends and neighbors and um, family members who are working or who are looking for work. Um, and so it's, in many ways, it's a really broad um, gives us a really nice broad snapshot of the economy in Maine. Um, but one of the things that I'm kind of proud of that we've been able to do in this report is both give the give that big broad picture of what the economy is doing in Maine, but also take a look at um, what that means for individuals and especially low-income individuals, and to sort of get behind the the average statewide estimates and data points that you hear a lot. Um, in the media and try and look a little more closely at what's behind some of those trends and, and how it relates to sort of trends that we're seeing nationally as well. Um, so my pitch for the report would be that it's you know, something that affects everyone and that it has uh, combines a whole bunch of um, different data points to give us both the statewide and the more local picture of the economy and, and the employment market. So what would you say uh, those who don't necessarily agree with the findings in the State of Working Maine 2017 report uh, what would they say? Yeah, um, you know, one of the things that you hear, um, that I think you hear from the administration particularly, is, um, you know, taking these sort of 30,000-foot uh, statistics um, and using them to kind of say, well, you know, look, the economy has been improving, we're, we're making our way out of the recession, job numbers are up from where they were, 
Um, but one of the things that the report tries to do is to look a little deeper than that sort of surface level and to take a look at, you know, especially what's happening in rural Maine, um, but what's happening for um, low-income folks everywhere in Maine and how, you know, for a good example is the job numbers. Uh, yes, job numbers have recovered to more or less the level that they were at before the recession, um, but looking at sort of the nature of those jobs. So what we've actually seen is a lot of middle-class, uh, middle-wage jobs that will support a middle-class uh, lifestyle those have been those have been disappearing in Maine, and while some of them have been replaced, they most have been replaced by low-wage work in things like the retail sector. Um, so it's a good example of where you need to look beyond sort of the look a little deeper than the surface level, and to really look at sort of um, the data behind that. So another thing that's mentioned in the report is that around thirty thousand prime-age workers are not in the workforce. Could you elaborate on that and, and why that sort of goes against the whole argument that the employment rate is, unemployment rate is low? Yeah, sure. Um, so again, yeah, one of the, one of the statistics that sort of one of my, always hit the nerve for me is this, um, the talk that we have and that we see about sort of what economists would call the headline unemployment rate, which is the basic count that the um, Department of Labor does. Um, and it's true that that uh, headline unemployment rate has been very low in recent months in Maine. Um, but the, you know, the biggest piece to know about that is that that effectively measures, um, it just measures the, the people who are looking for work and have been sort of actively looking for work within the last month. Um, so there are a whole number of people who um, might want a job or might be in a position to have a job but who aren't um, working, um, but because they haven't sort of sent off an application form in the last month or they haven't gone and, um, you know, gone to their local employment training center, that they don't count as being unemployed. And so, you know, when you have a population that is, especially when you have a population that's sort of out of work in a chronic way or in a long-term way, and we're seeing increasing number of Mainers who have not worked for more than five years in the data, um, when you have a population like that, especially, they just don't show up as being unemployed because they've dropped out of the labor force entirely. Um, so one of the statistics that um, is, is in the State of Working Maine report that's very striking is that um, we've seen what economists will call the participation rate of uh, Mainers who are of prime working age, you know, between the ages of 25 and 54, the share of those folks who have been uh, working or looking for work has been steadily declining over the last uh, 15 years in Maine since about the recession of 2001. And if we had just maintained sort of the participation rate we had back in 2001, there would be something like 30,000 more Mainers um, uh, looking for work or working. And if all those people were counted in the unemployment rate, the unemployment rate would be about twice as high as it is now. Moving on to the, sort of the next issue is in terms of any income growth that happened over the years has uh, sort of contributed or actually gone to the top, uh, 5%. And I know, Sarah, you t- talk a lot about in- income inequality. Um, so could you give us a little uh, insight into, into that world? So uh, in, in regards to what the, the report really focuses on here, uh, there, there is this issue that um, the gains over the past several years have uh, disproportionately been headed to, given to those at the top in terms of income gains. But another point that the report hits on is how little everyone's income in Maine has actually grown. So that has contributed to some people, those um, at the very bottom of the income scale, actually losing income over the past 10 years or so. Um, So this is something that is 
structural in our economy in terms of how people are getting richer over the years, being mostly those who are already doing well or rich. Um, but it's also oh. exacerbated by other systems of the economy, mm -hmm. like regressive taxation that makes these dynamics even worse. Yeah, and I think, you know, you can see um, in those in the unequal way in which sort of income growth has been distributed in Maine sort of helps to reinforce that case for the minimum wage because you see those, um, you know, where companies are making profits um, largely because of the increased productivity we're seeing in the workforce for all kinds of reasons. Um, a lot of those business profits are going more to either just the folks who actually own the businesses or the shareholders or they're going to um, the folks at the management levels. You know, if you look at the wage uh, real wages of people at the managerial level, you know, those are increasing just fine. It's the folks sort of at the, uh, closer to the bottom of the wage ladder that are struggling most. And so, you know, without a minimum wage increase, um, you don't see a lot of growth in that. And so the minimum wage um, should have a, a really positive effect in sort of helping to lift those folks um, up um, in terms of the amount of income they get. And then of course, uh, improving their sort of economic opportunities in all kinds of other ways. So, this all looks pretty dire, and the report, you know, um, basically explains that Maine hasn't been doing as well as what some people would like to think. Um, how have Mainers, um, whether those who are working two to three jobs, um, trying to make ends meet, um, or those who are have just sort of uh, haven't been able to find good-paying jobs and have therefore given up on work, how have some of them coped? Is there a link between um, sort of economic hopelessness and um, you know other other things like health issues or or even the opioid crisis? But so now I kind of like shift a couple of inches to the left. Is yeah. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> okay. Um, so blah, 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 blah. would you want me just to start at the beginning of that again? Yeah. Okay. Um, how has it contributed yeah. to, or or how um, how does uh, sort of health uh, coverage and the opioid crisis play into the economy? Yeah, so one of the things that I think is um, really good about this report is the way that it ties together um, the structural problems in the economy and the way those have increased in Maine. That mean that the economy isn't working for everybody the way that it should be. Um, and the effect that has on people sort of dropping out of the workforce altogether. And then finally tying that to this public health piece, which we're seeing kind of, as you mentioned, with the uh, opioid epidemic, we're seeing this becoming sort of increasingly uh, visible in Maine and increasingly uh, a concern for policymakers as well. And one of the things that we show is that, um, you know, the statistics that show that uh, if you're a low-income person, um, you're, uh, you're twice as likely to be uh, using... Uh, or being a substance abuser or be misusing a prescription drug, which includes those opioid medications, you're twice as likely to be doing that if you're unemployed or out of the labor force completely. Um, and so there's, you know, there's a pretty clear link there. I mean, the, 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 the causation, the direction of causation, whether it's because people lose their job and then they um, turn to substance uh, misuse uh, or whether they lose their jobs because they're um, addicted to illicit substances, it's a little unclear sort of which direction those goes, but we certainly know that it's um, a very cyclical um, process. So, you know, it, it traps these people as part of this cycle as well, because if you're out of work, 
and you're um, a substance user, you, you're uh, less likely to get hired again for um, all kinds of reasons. A lot of employers are you know, using blanket um, drug tests to weed out applicants and aren't willing to put in um, some of the work that might be required to help some of these people rehabilitate. Um, but you're also less likely to have health insurance in this economy as well. So you lose your job and you lose your health insurance, which also makes it much more difficult for you to um, address um, a drug problem you might have um, and harder to get clean if you want to. Um, so there are all these, uh, and then of course make, actually makes a lot of people more likely to fall into um, that position as well because they don't have a primary care provider and they lose a lot of their support network. Um, so substance abuse is definitely a part of it and is contributing, I think, uh, a significant amount to the decline in uh, the folks who are in the labor force. Um, but there are also a whole bunch of other health effects um, related to poverty that we outline as well. You know, people in poverty are about twice as likely to have a mental health concern. Um, they're also, um, you know, two to three times more likely um, to suffer from a whole range of chronic um, conditions, whether that's um, <clears throat> folks who have high cholesterol, um, folks who um, are likely to have high blood pressure, um, folks who are, uh, have diabetes. So there's all these, all these chronic long-term conditions that will stay with them. Many of them will stay with them for the rest of their lives. Um, and we know that not having health insurance makes it much less likely that they can get those treated. So you're making a case to uh, uh, expand Medicaid, it sounds like. <laughs> How did you guess? Yes, um, <laughs> I am. Uh, yes, I would certainly say that would be a big piece of the solution. I mean, the the, mo the system that we have at the moment and the system that um, you know, the LePage administration has doubled down on, which sort of means that uh, ties your health insurance to your employment, means that for those folks who don't have a job, um, it's very difficult for them to get employment, but even uh, to get health insurance. But even if you have a job, you know, one of the statistics we highlight is that even though two thirds of employers in Maine offer a health insurance plan to their employees, um, if you look at low wage workers, um, only about one in four of them are eligible for um, a plan. So either their employer doesn't offer it, which is the case for a lot of places that have mostly low wage workers, um, or their employer offers it, but they don't offer it to the kind of um, part time or low wage folks who are. Um, uh, who, are, who fall into that category. So, you know, that means that you can, you can even be doing the right thing, as it were, at getting a job and, um, you know, trying to improve your situation, but you still get caught in this cycle of not having health insurance and uh, healthcare being sort of effectively out of reach as a result. So Medicaid, one of the good arguments for Medicaid expansion is that it, helps, it will help a lot of these folks get on their feet and sort of break this cycle of being too sick to work, but then not able to get help because um, they don't have employer-based healthcare. So the report, I, I believe, um, tries to end on a, a lighter note in, in terms of things that we can do or can change. Sarah, can you, can you sort of uh, uh, give them a brief summary of what we can change, what we can do to sort of move Maine forward? Sure. Um, there are lots of things that we can be doing to make sure that we're making smart investments in communities that actually help lift up families. One of which is absolutely main care expansion that will be on the ballot this November. Um, and also just making sure that we're being smart about the resources that we have as a state by not cutting taxes for people who already are doing well. That um, research that we did on the widening wealth gap shows that the folks at the top are actually doing relatively okay and we really need resources to lift up folks who are in the middle and at the bottom. Um, and then in addition to that, the opioid crisis in rural Maine is going hand in hand with the, the 
repercussions and ripple effect of the recession that we've seen. And it really is something that is going to take a tremendous um, amount of leadership at the state level to make sure that the right resources get on the ground there. And also um, making sure that folks who are affected by that not only have the resources to get um, well again, but also have the job training to get back into careers that can be supported in rural Maine. Um, so I would say that, and then uh, in addition to making sure that we're also um, putting um, the smartest investments into education and infrastructure, things that economies need no matter what, there's nothing sexy about them, but they are incredibly, incredibly important um, to make sure that we're also keeping up with those in addition to these other things that are badly needed. So I think that's a wrap. Uh, again, James Mile is the uh, primary author of the uh, State of Working Maine 27 report. And uh, we want to thank you for all that hard work, James. No problem. Thank <laughs> you guys for talking about it. And helping with all the, uh, you know, it's not <laughs> definitely not a, a single person project, but I think everyone in the team really pitched in. Um, so you can find that report at www.mesep.org backslash SOWM2017. Again, that's www.mesep.org backslash SOWM2017. Mm -hmm.